You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Aaron Hogan. Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Man, a lot of uh, frustration on the uh, message line this morning. And rightfully so, Cowboys continue to be a conversation. And now long uh, Cowboy fans heard news that probably they didn't want to hear that Mike McCarthy will be returning for a fifth season. But no announcement of an extension, Rod which makes you a lame duck coach if you're going into the final year of the deal and you haven't yes. been, uh, you know, the coach said to the owner and general manager and said a lot of nice things about the coach, but also didn't back it with a new contract. Nope. Because yeah. if you really believe that they're very close and Mike McCarthy's the guy to get him there, then there would have been an extension to the deal. And that's why he don't want to talk to the media because that would be the first question. So if you like Mike McCarthy and you believe he is the guy, extend him. But if he's not the guy, why, why keep him? Yeah. That, that's why lame duck him. Well, he, so that means you're that means you're not sure if he's the guy. That's why you lame duck him. And I think we can speculate, but it's a, a very educated guess that the reason he's going to stick with him is that the offense is built around the other problem, which is Dak Prescott. Um, you know, the, the the offense have been built together by these two, and Dak mm-hmm. Prescott, as we said, is a fifty nine million dollar cap hit this <laughs> year. Uh, which is why they're considering extending him. But several people have made a good argument that don't extend him. Uh, somebody pointed out that the, 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 what the Cowboys could do with Dak Prescott over the next two years is what the Falcons did with Matt Ryan, that they just let him ride out the big number cap thing, cap hits, and then go to the rebuild. Interesting. How'd that work out for him? Not good. Okay. Because they have they fit. <laughs> well, and also you would add that they once they once they've gotten out front of the cap, they've they've underachieved. They've drafted some good players, but they haven't gotten a quarterback. Yeah. So do we trust if, the Cowboys to do to get a quarterback? Oh, I don't is, trust the Cowboys for anything. This is the thing. We talk about all this rebuild. Okay, that's fine. Do we trust the Cowboys no. to handle a rebuild responsibly? No. They've drafted the fewest quarterbacks in the NFL since 1999. People, they don't even like drafting quarterbacks, and now we want them to draft one with a rebuild. So listen, I'm not dis- I'm not disagreeing with you know the 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 potential uh, you know rebuild option because the Cowboys might need to get there, but. Like I said, the Cowboys have been an irresponsible organization for a long time. And honestly, they've been lucky when it comes to quarterback. Lucky. Tony Romo, undrafted free agent, franchise quarterback. Dak Prescott, fourth-round pick. Who's had back-to-back franchise quarterbacks who have been drafted outside the, th- the, the third round? Back-to-back franchise quarterbacks. Who's, who's done that? Nobody. It's rare. No, 100%. That's what I'm saying. It's lucky. That's luck. That's not something the Cowboys are doing intentionally. That's luck, guys. Luck and hope. No, I get Those it. are not strategies. I mean, that's not a, no one's arguing that. I don't think yeah. anybody would argue that point. Uh, point being, though, here you are on middle of January and you're out of the playoffs again. What's the next step? I mean, it's, there's, I mean fans want to hear and observers and fans of the team want to know what the next step that can make sense are. doesn't mean they're going to do it right. The Cowboys haven't been doing it right for 27 years. So, I mean, yes, I mean, that is a reality. And that's, the frust- that's why we came in on Monday talking about Jerry because Jerry is the biggest problem. He's the consistent yes. cog in this wheel for the whole time. Um, whether you've had Jason Garrett or Mike, Mike McCarthy or 
Bill Parcells, you name the coach. Right, I mean, the, 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 the record that they now own in North American, or certainly in football, they've now gone 13 straight of playoff appearances without playing into the conference championship game. 13. Mm-hmm. So, now that's a lot of years. There are a lot of years where they didn't make the playoffs. Make the playoffs, yeah. But 13 so, straight times straight when they've made the made tournament, yeah. they have not advanced to the conference championship game. That's a record. Um, it's a dubious record, but they own it. And so, yeah, I mean, to your question of, if okay, if you're going to rebuild, do you trust in real? No, I don't. <laughs> then that goes back to your point. Then hire a GM. Then if you're going to rebuild, you, first thing you do if you're going to rebuild, ding, ding, ding. is have the owner, you know, relinquish control of the GM position. The one thing that Jerry Jones could say that's palatable is to fans would be, "I'm I'm relinquishing my general manager title. We're hiring a GM, yeah. and that person's going to be charge of football, and we're rebuilding." I think Cowboy fans would actually embrace react it. positively to that and embrace that because mm. they know what Dak is, how much, however many Jack jerseys you buy. We've seen it. We've seen it enough. He's Alex Smith. He's a, he's a low-ceiling playoff quarterback. He's a high-ceiling, pretty good uh, to, to sleep above average. No, not above. He's a really good he's regular a, season quarterback. Yeah, he is. He's a really and good go back and watch. I mean, Alex Smith, there's nobody likes Alex. Nobody doesn't like Alex Smith. So calling someone Alex Smith is not a, a negative. It's not a mm-hmm. – you're not cutting the guy down. You're, he is what he is. Every player is what they are, right? I mean, it's – you know, he, he, Alex Smith was a great teammate. He's a good quarterback, really good quarterback at times. And when he had real good talent around him, he was even better. But to your point, even when Andy Reid and the Chiefs had Alex Smith, they decided as an organization, you know what, we need to trade up in this draft and get this guy Patrick Mahomes. That's our best course for our organization. Jim Harbaugh did it too. I know. So and two th- coaches noticed it. And, and, it was and like, people yeah. are going to say <laughs> – well, it's, you know, well, there'll be there'll be people in your in your room. They'll say, "Well, we already have a quarterback. Aren't we going to make our quarterback mad?" I don't care. We need a better quarterback uh, than we have right now. Because uh, if you're being real with yourself, you can see that that if we want to win the Super Bowl, we need a higher level at quarterback. We just do. We well, like the guy a lot. He's a hell of a good guy. Who doesn't like Kirk Cousins? Yeah. Who doesn't like Alex Smith? Yeah. Who doesn't? Both of those guys great. So don't t- tell me that everybody likes Dak. Everybody yeah. likes those guys. But were they going to win you a Super Bowl? No. And it's and no. it's not like. Drafting a quarterback and pissing off your current quarterback is absolutely the worst thing ever. Aaron Rodgers, what, won an MVP Hello. after they drafted Jordan Love? And yeah, that, that's I mean, worked out pretty well for them three times in a row now? Three times. And the Packers had a quarterback who's better than any of these guys by a long shot. Now he's a diva, but he's a three-time league MVP, Rod. But they also, organizationally, they operate differently. You're talking oh, 100%. About, this is something they were doing with Aaron Rodgers. 100%. As the Aaron parent to Brett Favre. So organiz- and they've had a, they had a, a former GM within the organization, Ron Wolf, Hall of Famer, who said, if they let me, I draft a quarterback every year. Yeah. This is literally what he's, he's on the record. He said, if they would let me, I draft one every damn year. Because he understood back then how important the quarterback position was. And then on the other end of that spectrum, you have the, court, the Cowboys, who drafted the fewest quarterbacks in the NFL in the last two and a half decades. They're very different, all right, very different ways of doing business. People that's can the change point. their lines all of thinking, the, They can, they can. My point is, my point is the Cowboys, the, the problem with the Cowboys is that a lot of those mistakes that they've made throughout the years are just coming now, all coming back to hunt. No chickens are coming home to roost. Yeah. And this is why it's such a complicated issue to untangle for the Cowboys. Which is why you want a real – General manager a to run things guy. that's looking years down the road, not yes. looking now to now. The, yes. What are we doing this offseason to sell the hope? What are yes. we doing this offseason? Because this year I think you've gotten to a point where there's no hope to sell. And the only hope you can sell is I'm hiring a general manager. But, again, I've been saying that for 27 years. You have. That's why you're not walking to Dallas. <laughs> not even concerned about it. Not, not even stressing about it. So I it. don't expect that to happen. And, uh, but what do I do? What do I expect to happen? You know, they'll probably stay in the course. Um, and, and you're going to be – because you just got passed by Green Bay. 
you know, you've been passed by Detroit now in yeah. your conference. While the conference was wide open, while Tom Brady's retiring and Drew Brees retiring, and you know, mm. it's there for you. You've now been passed up by the Lions and the Packers, and and obviously the 49ers were already there. Yeah. You know, that's that's discouraging. The Eagles are in the middle of a mess too that they've got to deal with. But I trust the Eagles to get out of the mess because I've seen them in a mess before and reinvent themselves. They have a football guy in charge. Yes, boom. And the same thing with the 49ers with John Lynch, football guy in control. Same thing with the Detroit Lions. He got done praising Brad Holmes about being yep. a great GM, football guy. These football guys, that's their Brian Gunkus. I mean, guys, he was considered, he was vilified. Everybody thought he was going to get fired because of the way the Aaron Rodgers situation was working out. Turns out he was right. Everybody else was wrong. He was right. That's his job. He's like, that's just my damn well, job. You know what's funny about that? <laughs> I, I know what I'm doing here. Uh, I think it was Peter Schrager. Peter Schrager with NFL Network. I watched him yesterday, <laughs> and he had a great report. He talked about how this is, this is you know, the – you know, everybody talked about how the Cowboys are run. The Packers are run like unlike any other organization. They have shareholders. Yeah, they don't even have like an owner. owner. Right, they're owned yeah. by the fans the and they shareholders. Yeah. But so twice a year, Brian Gutenkunst has to give a report to the shareholders. He's got to speak in front of them. I mean, they own the team and kind of give a progress report and where are we. And it's interesting that according to Peter Schrager at the, this summer, what he said about where they are, he says we're going to be very young, which they were. We're, we're transitioning. But a couple of things that stood out to Schrager and to the, some of the shareholders was he said, we're finally going to get to see Matt LaFleur's full offense, meaning it's not Aaron Rodgers ad-libbing anymore. This is going to be the full offense with a quarterback who's grown up in it, yep. right? And, and he said, he also said with, with, uh, with Jordan Love, give him a minute. It, it, he's going to struggle early. The, the first few games, the first month might not look real pretty. Growing pains. Growing pains. But here's the, the, the general manager of the team giving the shareholders – the vision, okay, just bear with it. It's going to struggle. We, we, we are anticipating that. We are not going to panic because yep. we know that this young guy is getting on the field for the first time. He's going to take some lumps. He's going to make some mistakes. But to his point, midseason, the, 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 and, and, uh, Schrager pointed out a game when they played against and they lost a game. I think I can't remember who the team was, but they lost the game, but it clicked for Jordan Love. And ever since then, to the numbers you've pointed out, Rod, last two months of the season, Jordan Love in Matt LaFleur's full offense is playing as a top-five quarterback in his league and one of the best quarterbacks in, in all of the yes, NFL. Yes, yep. Which is one that, why now, whether they beat the Niners or not on Saturday night, there's a lot of confidence within the shareholders that, okay. The future's bright. Because my, 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 my general manager presented to me, and it happened exactly like he said it would. And, okay, I trust this guy. I'm believing in this guy. Now what is he going to tell me this offseason? And they're out from under the Aaron Rodgers mess. So the point of, you know. Nick Casario, look at the Texans. Nick Casario, yeah, absolutely. A, a football guy, and Nick Casario, every step of the way, he's made, and they made every right decision, but most of the time he's made the right decision. Yeah. They got from out underneath the Deshaun Watson mess, got you some draft capital, got you, drafted your top two foundational pieces on offense and defense, and now you're and, and right, hired the right coach. Hired <laughs> the right Reza, coach. And now you're Chain way Command, Rod. And now you're way ahead of schedule. First rookie head coach, rookie quarterback duo to win the division um, since 1920, since George Hallis did it. All right, And they're the first rookie quarterback uh, duo, head coach duo, to win a playoff game. We're all ahead of schedule because you hired a football guy, Nick Casario. So, again, these are, these are broken record conversations yeah, around the Cowboys because, I mean, they're America's team still, and they still get all the headlines and all the clicks and all the whatnot. But, I mean, Jerry doesn't run this team a lot different than Al Davis was running the Raiders before he passed. He's not running this team a lot different than Daniel Snyder was running the 49ers. Or, excuse me, the, the, the commanders yeah. slash football team slash Damn. racial slurs. <laughs> um, it's, just, it's just how – you can't even call him a meddling owner. He runs everything. He, he's not even meddling. He's, he's in charge. 
and everybody knows it. <laughs> this is the problem, and he doesn't have the vision. He does things year by year. He's trying to just, okay, how are we fixing it this year? He's not looking two, three years down the road. He's just not. That's the job of a GM. That is the job of a GM. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's uh, pick up the other conversations. A lot of Texas basketball fans want to weigh in on what went on last night. Let's get to the top headlines, and then we'll pick up the Rodney Terry controversy that is uh, brewing. Top Gun Reynolds and Lonequin bring you the top stories. Yeah, college hoops last night. Another tremendously disappointing home loss for the Longhorns and a third loss already in Big 12 play. This one happened at the Moody Center. They welcomed a Big 12 newcomer, Central Florida, to the mood. And uh, started out great. Longhorns opened the game on a 22-6 run. They're up by 12 at the half. Remained in front by as many as 13 with 12 minutes to go. That's when the wheels came off for the Longhorns. The uh, Knights under Johnny Dawkins ratcheted up their defensive intensity. Went on a 17-3 run to take the lead. And then fueled by, a lot of that was fueled by six Longhorn turnovers and poor shot selection in that stretch. Ultimately, the Knights went on a 24-9 run, outscored the Longhorns 45-27 in the second half, held on for the win 77-71. Their defense held the Longhorns to four made shots in the last 12 minutes, all from three-point range. Rodney Terry's Longhorns tumbled to 0-2 at home, 1-3 overall in Big 12 play. Uh, Their next six games, beginning this Saturday with Baylor and Austin, uh, against Big 12 teams ranked in the top 25. Game tips at 11 a.m. on Saturday, by the way. Also in the Big 12 last night, Houston uh, welcomed Texas Tech to H-Town and gave the Red Raiders their first conference loss, 77-54 in Norman. Oklahoma rolled past at West Virginia, 77-63. Uh, a couple developing stories out of college football, 24-7 sports reporting that South Alabama expected to promote offensive coordinator Major Applewhite to fill its vacant coaching position, head coaching position. Applewhite had served under the uh, former head coach Kane Womack, uh, who took the job at Alabama as their defensive coordinator. So the Applewhite going to uh, ascend to a head coaching role again, first one since he was at the University of Houston. The fourth-rated player in the NCAA transfer portal is in Austin right now on a visit. Texas Longhorns hosting former Washington Huskies cornerback Jabbar Muhammad, originally from DeSoto. The 5'10", 183-pounder began his college career at Oklahoma State, transferred to Washington, reemerged one of the nation's best cover corners, 46 tackles, three picks, two sacks, and one fumble recovery for the Huskies, who played their way to the national championship game. Big trade consummated in the NBA yesterday. Indiana Pacers have acquired Raptors forward Pascal Siakam, part of a three-team deal that also includes New Orleans. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. Topgun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Uh, it's crazy. I, I don't think um, the rant that Rodney Terry had in the handshake line is going over with Longhorn fans as well as he thought. I think Longhorn fans are actually on the other side. They're actually on the <laughs> they're on the opposing team side of this horns down thing. A lot of the response that I've seen from Longhorn fans are, well, if you win, you don't have to worry about the horns down, like I said. You know, if you win, I haven't seen an opponent throw the horns down at Texas after they win. I haven't. And if they do it, it's it's something that's considered, you know, laughable. That you can mock. And it's like, dude, you just lost. You're doing the horns down. You're a loser. <laughs> no, so players don't – I don't see a lot of players doing it, at least in the football games I watch and the basketball games that I've watched. I don't see teams – teams usually do it when they win. And when they win or they make a big play on Texas or they, or, you know, they you know, get over on Texas somehow, whatever it may be, and they play or after the game, that's when you see the horns down. You see the horns down when Texas does not play to the standard or that Texas takes the L, and that's the horns down. If you get the dub – I don't see it often. So for Coach Terry, I understand I'm being upset, and he's right about the sportsmanship element of it. But the truth is, you know, the horns down is only an insult when you lose. When you win, 
Nobody gives a damn. Only the fans are doing it because they're mad and angry and throwing temper tantrums. So they're doing hand, uh, the horns down when you lose. But on the on the field and on the court, um, I only see players do it, like I said, when they win. And it's only an insult when you lose. Well, and let's before we play Rodney Terry's postgame sound, and for folks who missed it, um, maybe didn't see it in real time, Ty, you were at the game. And I will say this because they don't show this always on TV. This is on Longhorn Network with Lowell Galindo and the guys. Uh, but, Ty, you were there, and you would report that, uh, that uh, Rodney Terry was very animated on the sidelines when his team was collapsing right in the last ten minutes. He was not happy. He was fired up. So this was a very emotional coach. Am I, am I, is that a fair way to, say, to put it, Ty, from your, your eyewitness account of, Ty, of Rodney in the final ten minutes? Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it seemed like his, his energy was there. He was, you know, almost 10 feet onto the court, most possessions yeah, he, on defense. You know. I mean, he was, I mean, it's to when you, so if you're watching the game and you see the lack of execution offensively and defensively and the turnovers in the last 10 minutes, don't think Rodney Terry was sitting over there not, you know, concerned about it. He was. I mean, he was barking, he was screaming. I mean, he could see what was happening. We could all see it. But so then after the game, Rod, you're highly, you're on edge. You're frustrated with your team. You know how important that win was, and you were up 12 points or 13 points on your home floor, and you didn't play as with the intensity your opponent did, and they took the game from you. So then he's walking over to the, to the handshake line, and multiple Central Florida players are doing hands down, not just to the crowd, but really even to the Longhorn players. They're doing horns down, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Longhorn players are walking up. So I think part of it was Rodney's mad about it, but also that, you know, it could start a fracas I and mean, one of his guys could shove something you don't want to see that in your face right after you lose so he runs over kind of moves over there pretty quickly and starts getting after the central florida players don't do that don't do that and here's rodney terry after the game talking about uh why that was his reaction when he saw it happening get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You win the right way, you lose the right way. And, you know, I always tell my guys, you know, um, whether you win or lose, you win the right way. You lose the right way. You carry yourself the right way. You don't go through the handshake line or proud to get into the handshake line and have about six or seven guys putting the horns down. We don't do that, you know, because when you do those kind of things, it looks very classless, and it also looks like you were just hoping to win. We never go into games trying to hope to win. We go into games expecting to win. So we don't act like that. You know, we expect to win. We don't jump up and down like, like we won a national championship. We sure don't step on anyone's home court deal and act crazy and try to show them up in any way. We don't do that. You know, so that's what I was angry about. And I was letting those guys know you don't do that. You know, you guys won. Hey, we shake, you know, shake your hand, tip our hat to you. But we're not going to let you act that way in our building. You're not going to do that. You're not going to put your horns down and do all that nonsense. Okay. No, I, I think he's right uh, in terms of the sportsmanship element of it. But, you know, like I said, the optics of it, the optics of it are pretty bad. Uh, it seems like you, you know, you're carrying. It, it, like I said, it, nobody was at the game, and so they didn't really get a chance to see Ty. You were there. You talked about how emotional he was during their meltdown. Um, but the truth is, no, it shouldn't. Have, it shouldn't have been an issue. Well, there's also the idea that coaches don't talk to other. 
the yeah. other guys, other teams' players after yeah. games. You don't, you don't, yeah, unless don't, you're going up to congratulate them. Don't or, discipline my children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't, don't be there. You need to tell me my kids did something bad. Don't you be yeah, talking talk my to my kids? Me. Come yeah. talk to me. And I think that's that's probably maybe what the, what the uh, coach thought. I don't know what the opposing coach said about it, but maybe that's what was his thoughts too. Yeah. Uh, well, there's an old story of Rick Barnes when he was a young coach at Clemson. You know, after a game, getting into one of the North Carolina players, and Dean Smith came over. You don't talk to my player. I mean, it was, and a lot of people gave Rick Barnes a lot of credit for because he was a young coach and he stood up to Dean Smith mm-hmm. and um, you know, those kind of things. Let's hear from uh, Johnny Dawkins, by the way. Speaking of the ACC, Johnny Dawkins is the coach at Central Florida. Johnny was one of my favorite players when I was growing up when Duke was kind of building with Jay Billis and these guys. Johnny Dawkins was a great guard. Tommy nice. Amaker hmm. in that backcourt when Mike Krzyzewski was building that Duke program. Johnny Dawkins is now the coach of Central Florida. Here's what he had to say about the, the, the dust-up after the game. Well, that's, that's not the type of program we run, so if I see that, I will be addressing that personally from my standpoint. You know, I know Coach Terry is a great man. You know, I have a lot of respect for his program, Coach Heath. He and I go way back, you know, coaching against each other in the American. So, you know, you know, we're all about having class as a program. So I'll go back and review what happened. And if there's any action that needs to be taken on mine, you know, from our staff, I will do that. Okay. So I guess he was unaware then Yeah, uh-huh. that it happened. I think at the time he was he was talking to Frank Haith, who's the mm-hmm. he mentioned the the top assistant coach for for um, for Coach uh, Terry. So yeah, I mean I think this this thing because this thing's gone viral that quote from Rodney oh, yeah. and then what's what went on. And so and, Barstool and picked it up like it's out there now. Yeah, it's out it's there. there. Yeah. Uh, but for Longhorn fans, the bigger frustration is the game. Uh, but I think for the nation, it's going to be talked about in that regard. Same time, if you win, that doesn't happen. Yeah, you, you know, win the game. Nobody cares. <laughs> it's not a big issue. So I think the way the team is playing is what Longhorn fans are frustrated with. And so, and here's look. There's one thing for a coach to be animated, but but uh, Ty, you mentioned this to me off the air that uh, the body language of the Texas players wasn't great through all this. That's what. Where's the urgency from the Texas players, right? When this thing's getting away from them, uh, what did you see from from the from the Moody Center with the players on the floor trying to fight to get this win? Uh, you know, just I, I, I wouldn't go as far to say lack of effort, but just they they looked down. And even when they were they were killing it at the beginning, which I said I missed, but I was I was there. We were up twelve points at halftime, right? I mean, it was it was it was it was weird. I mean, Ronnie Terry got into Tyrese Hunter after he had that pretty bad turnover there towards the end. Tyrese looks like he was about to walk off the bench into the locker room. It it looks like everybody everyone in the arena, including the players, knew what was happening and what was how the end result of that game. Yeah, it, it, I even I told said, my, I even told my brother when we were up, we got because like we got there, we were up like twenty four to six or whatever. I told him I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll probably end up losing this game, and I was half joking, <laughs> and he and I forgot about it, and we were walking out, and he mentioned he's like, you know what, you called that completely, and I was like, yeah, well, that's just being a Texas basketball fan, you kind of you kind of know what's going to happen before it happens. Well, and if you know the history of this Central Florida team, they were down 16 at home to Kansas and came all the way back and beat Kansas. So Johnny Dawkins is going to make some adjustments, and really what I saw, Rod, was a, a, you know. Once they started playing some defense, you know, Central Florida kind of ratcheted up their defensive intensity. They mm-hmm. they, they started picking up the Longhorns, you know, yeah. just they shifted inside to a half a zone, court. which was yeah, the biggest thing yeah. And they shifted to a zone and they got very aggressive, and the Longhorns just started turning the ball over. I mean, the comeback, if you go back and watch it, was fueled by breakaway dunks off oh, yeah. turnovers yeah. by Texas um, that just you know, too many easy baskets. And then Texas would come down and not execute and would try to force up a, a bad shot. Um, Max Acemus would, would, would launch a three. Acemus, um, you know, he's your best player. But same time, he only get because uh, I got to get the, the – he, he launched up uh, 11 three-pointers, made four of them. Uh, he had three turnovers. Dylan Mitchell had three turnovers. Tyrese Hunter had four turnovers. 
And a lot of those came in that last 11, 12-minute stretch. When, oh, yeah. Because they, they had played a really clean game, and they were up 13 points. And this was the Texas team that I think Rodney Terry has in his mind. But um, when, when, when your opponent ratcheted up their intensity, you didn't match it. And uh, you didn't raise the level. And that's the frustrating part of this team because it was there for you, and now you're one and three. They, they were soft, place. too, down low. I mean, D.C. Yeah, that, no, and, and Mitchell, I think Mitchell in the NBA, he'll be a, a three. I don't think he's really a four, which he – typically plays on this team. So, I don't know. I, I think the biggest piece they're missing is just a, a bigger body down low to match up and uh, with some of these bigger bigger bigs in, in the Big 12. Because, I mean, it, uh, along with the turnovers, it was also a lot of fouling down low. It just gave them oh, easy yeah. free throws. Well, that's something we've talked about too, Rod, quite a bit. And Ty is uh, just their on-ball defense is not great, no. which leads to fouls. Yeah, they're sloppy. Uh, and – that was, uh, you know, a frustrating game in a lot of ways because, as Ty kind of mentioned, even though um, they had a 16-point yeah, lead at one point in the first half, uh, they were in control of the game. Um, but, man, they weren't playing necessarily a, a great game all around. And uh, the last 13 shots for them, I believe, 12 of them were three-pointers. Yeah, and they made four. And, and they made the, four the, their them. last four made baskets in the last 10 minutes were all three-pointers. Yeah, and for UCF, it was the exact opposite. I believe you know, like, like 10 of their last 13 shots were – Dunks. Uh, <laughs> uh, they hit 10 of the last 13, I think five of them were dunks or layups pretty much. Like well, they said. ended up shooting 53% from the, in the second half because a lot of them was at the rim. They were going to the basket. Mm-hmm. There was one – you know, Caden Shedrick, the Longhorn big man, got dunked on by a guard. Like, he dunked on him. And then wrote it. I mean, piggybacked him on the way down, and Shedrick had to leave the floor because he he kind of tweaked his back because the guy was doing a piggyback ride on him on the way back down, yeah. and he had dunked on uh, on the Longhorns' tallest player. So, and look, the reason one of the reasons the Longhorns were up twenty four to six and up at the half, Athiel Horton, it Horton, they call him, he transferred from Central Florida. He had not scored a point in each of the last two games. He had fifteen in the first half. He ended up leading the team and scoring with twenty. So you, so you got this. This this who okay who's going to step up behind Dylan or outside of Dylan DeSue or Max Aismas? You got the answer. It was it it uh, Horton, and then then you couldn't close the game. Uh, yeah. And that's that's a team that lacks identity. That's a team that lacks intensity. That's a team that can't really get defensive stops where they want them. And so a lot of troubling things coming out of that game. And it's not just that game. This is this has been ongoing. The Longhorns don't have a quad one win to this point. Uh, they've got five losses now. They've got three losses in the big in the Big Twelve already. And as we said, and you talked about, Rod, the next six games are a gauntlet, I mean, to oh, say the least. It's brutal, man. Every man. team they play in the next six – they haven't played a ranked team at home yet. What's about and to change? And they actually haven't played a ranked team in the Big 12 play yet. Oh, yeah, because these are two unranked teams they lost to. Back to back. It's the first time in history uh, for Texas basketball they lost their first two games in conference play at home to unranked opponents. So they're they're one and three, and, and we talked about this when the schedule was, was released. Okay, uh, it's kind of soft early with Texas Tech and a new coach and a lot of new players. Uh, that should be a winnable game. Cincinnati, not a ranked team, but a tough environment. Longhorns won that game. Then the loss at West Virginia and this loss puts you in a spot where – Next game is Baylor at 11 a.m. Along with, look, that crowd is not going to be crazy, crazy on 11 a.m. on Saturday morning, Rod, with Baylor coming in the way this team has played. They need it. They need that home crowd to be there at 11 o'clock against the ninth-ranked team in the country Oof. with Scott Drew. But, I you know, know, that's at 11 a.m. you got to get yourself up and going game against a good team that's in the top ten in the country. Then it's Oklahoma, who's ranked 15th. Then it's BYU, who's ranked 18th or 20th. Then it's Houston, who's ranked 5th. Then it's TCU, who's ranked uh, top 20. No nights off, man. Then it's Iowa State. No, it's no nights off. It's no nights off. And this is a team that could be careening towards 
know, you're off to a one and three start in the in the softest part of your schedule. Yeah. What's it going to be six games from now? Yeah, you could end up being below 500 in conference. Way below. Play. Yeah. Potentially. The if, bottom it, of the if, if what we've seen so far against good competition doesn't improve, they'll be way below. They'll be way below. Because they're, one, they're two games under now, and they've got six really tough games coming. Yeah. Um, you know, they almost have to – if they go three and three, I mean, you're still, you know, at yeah, that point – Yeah, you're still going to be right there on the verge of being 500 and seven. in conference play. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, You go three and three in this stretch, you're four and seven. So, man, you go two and six, look at or two and four – you yeah, know, you're, you're, you're at the the, 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 ba- the basement. Yeah, you're going to be drowning. Now, that's the opportunity to go get some quad because this is also the opportunity where you get quad one wins. We know when you start trying to make the NCAA tournament, they, they look at quad like quality quad one wins. Longhorns right now don't have any. They don't have any. And they've got some bad losses uh, on the board now, or potentially bad losses. Well, it's unranked teams right now. Yeah. All right, we'll come back. When we do, uh, we will continue this conversation. Your thoughts on Rodney Terry uh, defending his players in the post game, but also saying we're going to win We're going to win and lose with class. Johnny Dawkins didn't disagree, so that uh, um, you know conversation is ongoing. Rod will take us behind the burn orange curtain, talk some Texas football, the very latest on the Dwayne Aquina situation, and – uh, the Longhorns do have one of the top corners in the portal on the on campus right now. What's to come there? Uh, for the end of the hour, some off-the-record conversations that you need to hear. We're rolling. It's Hook'em Up on uh, a Thursday morning. I'm all right. Nobody but about me. Why you got to give me a fight? Can't you just let it be? Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. Yeah, at the turn, reminder, we're halfway through our five-hour conversation this morning. That means coming up burn, behind the burn orange curtain and off the record for the top of the hour. And uh, at the turn, nine holes in, nine holes to go if you're playing golf. And today would be a nice day to play golf. It's going to be 70 degrees. Oh, yeah. Welcome to Texas. Right. From 23 to 70. <laughs> and then, by the way, back to colder than normal this weekend, Rod, if you're checking the forecast, to get out to our friends at Callahan's General Store. It's not going to be freezing cold, but it's going to be cold. And it's back be... and forth, huh? Snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, Yeah, snap. that's the way you get sick, right? I don't yeah, that's the way you get sick. That's what your mom would tell you. Vitamin C, vitamin C. Yeah, 72 today, 49 tomorrow and windy. Damn. 45 on Saturday, 46 on Sunday. Rain coming next week. So oh, man. That's why I always say you get over to Callahan's and meet the people there trying to keep your yard golf course ready. You need to talk to them. They, they know how to handle these bizarre weather trends uh, because that's what a golf course agronomist does, Rod. They, keep, they, they know what's going on. Those guys are like weather guys themselves, weather people. Oh, yeah, you got to know, man. Got to know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Checking that thing all the time with your, with your golf course. But uh, that's what your yard can be, and a yard is not nearly as big as a golf course in most cases. They're teeing off today at the American Express Championship. As we told you, this is at La Quinta, California. Uh, defending champion is John Rahm, so he certainly will not be there. Uh, world number one, Scotty Scheffler, could be an interesting pick win this one right here as they're teeing this thing off. And this is – this is a weird one, Rod, where they play on three different courses. Um, it, as they play it, it's, it's the American Express at Palm Springs. 156 players take on three different courses, PGA West, the Pete Dye Stadium course, and a Nicholas Tournament course. So you're yeah. playing a different course each day. Yeah. But then you wrap up on the Pete Dye Stadium course where they have the big grandstands and everything at La Quinta Club. Uh, so a 54-hole cut for the players. So uh, John Rahm was your winner last year. He won't be there. But your favorites right now, odds, Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay, who is a West Coast guy himself. We're now into the California swing, as is Xander Schauffele, Justin Thomas, uh, JT Poston. So enjoy the golf this weekend. It'll be prettier in uh, Palm Springs than it is in Austin, I would guess, this weekend. Uh, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Beautiful Seriously. Palm Springs, California, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, man, nothing wrong with that. You can afford it, by the way. 
if you can afford it. Well, if you can it. afford living in Austin, too. <laughs> we ain't Palm Springs yet, but it ain't cheap. Yeah, I, I'm going to make a pick on Scotty Scheffler. I guess this is the one he wins. Now, the putting has still got to get better. It was better his first time out because he played the first event in Hawaii and didn't play last weekend. I'm going to pick Scotty to step up and win this bad boy today or this weekend. Uh, it seems like a, a tournament he can win and overpower these three golf courses. Uh, all right, so let's get to – that's your at the turn. Brought to you by our great friends at Callahan's General Store. Let's get some Longhorn football conversation going. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, the uh, first topic uh, that we're going to get to uh, behind the burnt orange curtain is the, uh, the Coach Akina update. Um, I have not personally spoken with uh, Coach Akina about the, the latest update um, because it was one point trending toward Texas, but that was not confirmed. I kept trying to hint to you guys, like, uh, nothing's confirmed yet. I didn't get that confirmation, um, and it seems now I know why I didn't get that confirmation because now it's trending toward Arizona again. Now, remember, Texas could only offer an analyst role. Uh, analyst roles are limited in the on-field coaching that they can do um, and in the recruiting role. They can't uh, recruit and they can't do much on-field coaching at all so uh, they're limited to a lot of film work advanced scouting self-scouting um and i think other than that they can be around the team doing like the workouts like the off-season workouts the ones the coaches cannot be involved in remember gary patterson was leading some of that so it's different rules i don't know exactly what all the stipulations are but it's just a natural traditional coaching role and the belief is now that brent brennan is the new arizona head coach the uh, head coach formerly uh, at san jose now that he is taken over he said this yesterday and i think it's a very interesting um comment he said about coach akina quote i do think i have a decent commitment from Dwayne akina to be a part of this which is exciting just the teacher he is the person he is the leader he is i'm excited about that i can't get over the one word decent because that can mean a lot of different things. And I don't know exactly if that's on the glass half full or glass half empty side of decent. Like if you ask me, oh, man, how's the food at the restaurant? I was like, oh, it's decent. Would you take that as good or bad? If you ask me, oh, man, is she hot? And I go, no, she's decent. Would you take that as good or bad? So it depends on what, how you're looking at the decent thing. I think for decent here means they, they don't have an all-in confirmed commitment either from Coach Aquino. Decent commitment. It's decent. It's decent, but honestly, it also means it could trend the other way on us, honestly. It could trend the other Sounds way. Like Coach Akeen is keeping his options open. It does, doesn't <laughs> it? Or maybe negotiation. Decide yeah. to negotiate, right? You can't negotiate unless you got another option. Yeah. So maybe this is about negotiation. I will have more information after today, uh, but as of today, that's the latest on it is that they have a decent commitment. And I would say his commitment yeah, is more than earlier. Texas had. Yeah, and I asked you this earlier. I don't know what – what side of it is calling it decent? Is it uh, Quentin Dwayne Aquina, that he's got a decent offer, or is it Arizona saying he's made a decent commitment to us? Yeah, that's a good point, because is Arizona trying to go find something better than yeah. Coach Aquina? Yeah, we'll hire you unless – Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Or, or if you're, is it Coach Aquina saying, I'll take it unless – Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I don't know what side this kind of, I think after today I may I'll have, I'll have more clarity on which side that is coming from. Uh, so there's still hope. 
that Coach Akita could end up here in Texas in some uh, advisory consult consultation special analyst capacity. Uh, so it's not a done deal just yet if you're hearing that, oh, no, he's going to take the Arizona gig. So we still – in purgatory. This is a good thing for Longhorn fans. Because Not over yet. You're saying it, there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance, and hopefully uh, it's more than a chance. But I want Coach Akita to do his best for him, honestly. So uh, that's whose side I'm on. <laughs> uh, more so in the Tech. Texas could really benefit from him, but I want Coach Akita to do his best for him because uh, he's a hell of a coach, and I don't want to deprive some young athletes of getting the same tutelage and knowledge that I got. Uh, so that's the latest on Coach Akita. The defensive line coaching vacancy is curious because you haven't heard much on it. Right, it's kind of dry. The reports have kind of dried up about the defensive line coaching position, and that may be for a particular reason. We're talking. Uh, we did the live stream with my man C.J. Stroud, e that you got a chance to host on on Texas football, and he believes, and I don't think he's sourcing this at all. It's just his gut. Uh, he believes that it could end up being Rod Wright, and that the timeline now re- resembles the Chris Jackson timeline where the reports about the wide receiver position, replacing it, the wide receiver coach position, when Brandon Marion left, it dried up. The reports kind of dried up for a while. It was like one name that was mentioned, which was Chris Jackson, and the reason that there wasn't a lot of reporting on it was because Texas had zeroed in on their guy, and once Texas zeroes in on their guy, they're just waiting for the season, the NFL season to be over, and then, boom, he, come, he can come and join us officially. So I'm not saying that it is an NFL coach, but it does fit that timeline is what my man C.J. Vogel was saying. And if it does, Rod Wright, who is the assistant D-line coach with the Texans, uh, he may be the guy if they are looking at the NFL. He's not the only NFL guy that could potentially take that position, um, but right now that could be one of the favorites is Rod Wright. We heard his name come up earlier, but we haven't heard a lot about it since. Remember early on there was a lot of talk about uh, Freddie Roach, D-line coach at Alabama. Looks like Kaylin DeBoer is trying his best or intending to keep him around. Uh, there are a lot of talk about Ed Orgeron. Uh, Ed Orgeron, he's not really doing anything right now. That Ed Orgeron could be uh, one of those D-line coaches. Frank Ocam, who's at Toledo, lifetime Longhorn Frank Ocam. Uh, Rod Wright, of course, his name came up as well. So there, there have been a few names that were Oscar Giles, who's former D-line coach here at Texas on, on multiple occasions. Uh, hell, half the guys that <laughs> Bo Davis uh, developed here on the 40 acres here, your Moral Ojemos, your Colburns, your, uh, your Tavondre Sweats, those are all guys that Oscar Giles recruited. So those are things that came up, but I haven't, you know, you haven't really heard about Texas pursuing or at least uh, zeroing in on any of those candidates. Uh, but the timeline is curious, um, and maybe the timeline is hinting, implying that maybe it's an NFL guy. Yeah. Well, I've been told Rod writes the name too, uh, personally. So, but again, and to your point of the, uh, it does line up with the timeline and that. Maybe there's a, yeah. I'd be very interested and in maybe even take it. I got to get. I got to finish the job over here, yep. which is. You know, that's the right thing to do, and Rod Wright's done a good job, and Houston plays Baltimore this weekend. It does fall in line with the Chris Jackson thing because it was announced pretty quickly after Jacksonville lost last year. It was done. Yeah, yeah. It was fat. And, it, yeah. And, and he was one of the hot names. So that well, would make would, sense. He would fit to me because he's got NFL experience, which has been big for Coach Sark. He loves those guys that come in with – because, look, they want to sell this thing is, you know, come here, play three years, go to the NFL. Right? I mean, that's, you know, come play for us. We're going to develop you, and we're going to put you into the National Football League. If you stay three or four years, uh, you'll have a chance to play at that level. And guys who have been there and done that, Tashar Choice, right, played in the NFL, brings that NFL tie, but also a great college recruiter. And Chris Jackson, same thing. And now it does feel like Rod Wright 
is would be, and he's a lifetime Longhorn. He can sell the program, he can sell the history, uh, sell what it means to be a Longhorn, and what you talk about, Rob. What can you do for Texas? Not what can Texas do for you? That guy bleeds it and yeah. uh, has played it at the highest level. And he coaches interior tackles, and I think that's something that they are interested because Bo Davis was so good. They're going to need those guys need to develop. Yes, they do. Those guys really need yeah. to develop on the interior. Uh, and you're probably not going to be able to acquire any interior D linemen, or at least it's going to be a tough sell uh, without a D line coach. And you're probably not going to get a D line coach until after the NFL season's over. At least that's the way it's looking. And if I'd right, if Rod Wright is indeed the top candidate, and if that's the case, you'll have to wait to the the uh, the, tra- the spring transfer portal window to open up before you can try to acquire a interior defensive lineman. And that'll be good at least now. Now you can thoroughly evaluate all the D linemen you have, D tackles you have, and see which one of those guys are going to be able to contend to be a rotational player for you or a guy that can be a starter for you. So that's a good sign. We all know Africa Collins and Vernon Brighton are going to be your two mainstays there. But Texas had a healthy, probably the deepest rotation of interior D linemen uh, in college football the last two years. So that's the latest on the uh, defensive line coach because there's not much. Um, and one of the other things that, uh, that I want to bring up, and we haven't talked about it a ton, but I brought this up earlier uh, Texas Athletic Department, um, shout out to them. I got this from Yahoo Sports. Uh, Yahoo? Yeah, Yahoo Sports. The Yahoo Sports article from yesterday claims that Texas uh, Department, Texas Athletic Department revenue, $271 million in 2023, is an NCAA record. Uh, the report from uh, the NCAA, uh, it is their fiscal year annual revenue and expenses report. Uh, It is claiming that Texas increased its revenue by nearly $32 million over the total it reported in 2022 to $271 million. And according to uh, their records, uh, that is a new record. Um, For now, that that total stands the largest single-year total since the NCAA began keeping records of financial reporting in 2005. So Texas football doing really well. No shock, no surprise at all that the BMDs and all the Texas fans, uh, they are feeling generous <laughs> when Texas football is playing really well. So uh, could be just a uh, could be just foreshadowing more of the uh, rainfall and more of the uh, economic windfall. I should say financial windfall coming for Texas. Well said. Uh, as usual, yeah, the spigots of spigots of money are turned on. Yes, it is. When man. Longhorns win. I've seen it before, and then I've seen it dry up when the winning's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> there we are. You're damn right about that. And you know what? I don't criticize that. When Texas ain't winning, why would you want to spend money yeah. for the program? Yeah. Uh, but that's that's a big number. It'll continue to grow, too, if the winning continues. And the Longhorns, the way they're attacking the portal and uh, the coaching SEC. staff into the SEC and all the big, you know. And as we said earlier, if the Longhorns, even if they don't land uh, Jabbar Muhammad, who they have on campus right now, the Washington corner, who's a really good player. And you've talked about having the Muhammad corners, right? You could have Manny Muhammad and Jabbar Muhammad on the outside. Cart to cross-train Terrence Brooks as a slot. And Makuba and Jade and Michael Taff and Derek Williams. You start the, you know, what was a weakness last year in the pass defense could become a strength of yours as a team. If they land Jabbar Muhammad to go with everything else they've added, they, they'll be preseason number one or two next year, Rod. They really will. I mean, I'm not going to want to get the, the cart way ahead of the horse, but – you know, and I'm, I'm of the opinion preseason rankings don't mean much, but it would lead to what the expectation level is, even yep. moving into the SEC. That yeah. if you start preseason number one or two, I agree with that. You're expected to compete to play in the you know be, be at the top of the SEC next year, 
And uh, that's that ratchets things up, right? Last year's mission and goal was to win the Big 12 and you know, set the foundation for the move to the SEC. What they're doing right now here in the last month as far as player acquisition and uh, plug-in holes uh, will set you in getting Quinn Ewers and Jade Barron and uh, you know, these guys coming back uh, to be a part of a, you know, a veteran group. Then all of a sudden your, your expectations go up even higher. And yep. uh, now you're playing in a more difficult conference than you did before. Good stuff, though, right there. Rod behind the burn orange curtain. We'll keep an eye on the Rod Wright story, Jabbar Muhammad. All that is coming. Dwayne Aquina, of course. And Rod, hopefully, will get some intel on that maybe today. We'll uh, report back to you when we know. We'll come back and uh, pick up the conversation, including off the record. Off the record, this is always stuff you need to hear. You need, if you like uh, going on date nights, Rod, I've got an idea for you. All right. Date nights. I always need Got more. one for you. Uh, you you know you may have to lower your bar a little bit, but you could have a date night. I got this. Also, it's a great marketing idea potentially. We'll also get into our nine o'clock hour as well. Back on the Cowboys and the Mike McCarthy decision, uh, Rodney Terry and his situation last night after a disappointing loss. Uh, all things were kicking around on a Thursday. Took him up with Ian Rodby. DD. Mega doo-doo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well I don't get a break the head comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Yeah, a lot of off-the-record today. Cowboy fans not happy. Longhorn basketball fans frustrated. Rodney Terry not happy with Central Florida last night or his team. We'll get back to all those things coming up. But a little off-the-record stories you need to hear because they're going to be talked about. Hey, Rod, we talked about oh, yeah. the uh, Jim Irsay situation yesterday where he now reports out that he was found unresponsive at his home on December the 8th. Yeah, man, that's scary. Very scary. That's He's scary, a troubled so. guy. And remember, there's the HBO Real Sports episode that aired several months ago where it, Talked about how the addiction had grabbed him, and mm-hmm. you know he was caught up, caught in a car with a bunch of you know drugs, and he was he was carrying and whatnot. Um, he also well, that was the interview where he said he was he was targeted because he was a white billionaire. You know that was probably not the best way uh, to go. Yeah, I probably shouldn't try to play the victim. As a white well, I mean, and this so. has renewed the call. I mean, if a player was in this spot, what would happen, right? You'd feel for him. But at the same time, he'd be suspended. I was like, the league would act. The league would act. The league would act because you are. What did they say? So it's um, con- conduct detrimental to the league. That's yeah, the time they the shield. They turn. They throw out there all the time. Yeah. So this is a bad piece, and it is one of your thirty-two owners. Um, you know, billionaire owners who you know mm-hmm. nearly was was killed for drug problems. Obviously, you know. Again, you want the guy to get help. He's talked about his battle with it, but he's still an owner. Of one of your teams, right? He's in charge of a team. What is the league going to step in and do about that? Or they can't they do anything? Because you know what they would do if it was a player Mm -hmm. with the same headlines, Rod. Yeah. No, you're right about that. Uh, There are different rules for the owners. We know that. (laughs) They own the the league. They own the league. And honestly, there are different rules in our society for billionaires. So twice. They, Apparently they, not for Jim Irsay because he was targeted because he was a white billionaire. Uh, <laughs> that is true. But, yeah, but we know that. So, I mean, we're not, you, you shouldn't be surprised that people with resources uh, like that can, um, so they, they can walk between the raindrops. They found a way to kind of circumvent right, the this rules. This guy's trying to – I mean, he, you just hope he can get out of the, uh, the cycle he's in. And man, that, was a, that was a lot of ugly stories about Jim Irsay, oh, like a ton of them. Yeah, this Remember is – Remember the woman and like – Oh, the there's a lot. Weird, yeah, it was there's like, a lot. There's a lot of those. Now, he's, he's, a, he's an eccentric guy. Of course, he inherited the team from his dad. 
and he's got this great music collection, and you know he's big and he's Rob Lowe's his good friend from Hollywood. Rob Lowe is his good friend. But he's is that a thing? Like, yeah, that's true. Him like, and Rob Lowe buddy. like kick it. Yeah, they kick it. That is wild. I don't know why that's wild to me. <laughs> Jim say hanging out with Rob Lowe because Rob Lowe's kind of weird. Yeah, they. Well, Isn't Rob Lowe's kind of weird? Not in a bad way, but any kind of weird. I think Jim Irsay owns like one of the most rare collections of Jimi Hendrix memorabilia. Yeah, it's, he's a weird. He's an eccentric guy. He, oh, you know, that means he likes to party. Likes to get down. Well, he's, I'm not. This isn't you know casting judgment. He didn't make that money. He inherited that money. He inherited that. Team. Hey, I love. I, I would love to inherit some money. Sure, what are you talking about, man? Don't, don't hate no inheritance of money. The, Please you, give you, me some money. You've watched Succession, right? The kids usually are not as they're not as savvy and uh, oh, the, what's disciplined as the dad. The great line. <laughs> the great line from the dad uh, when they're at the uh, the birthday party. Oh yeah. For what the son he said, "I love you guys." But you are not serious people. <laughs> yeah, and they were all jockeying to take over right. his company. <laughs> you guys are not serious. I feel like I want to sit down with Jerry Jones and say that. You are not serious people. Yeah. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's a great go. line in that's the last season. That's a great season. line. <laughs> yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that with Jim Mercer. We hope the best for him personally. But that team and organization, and you wonder if Roger Goodell and the league will step in and do anything. Look, they just, out, they just you know, ran Dan Snyder out of the league. They did. Uh, also, what was the other uh, Panthers owner? They ran him out, Terry yep. Richardson. Yeah, right? It's not unprecedented. Yeah, no, they do that. It, it just takes a while. I think fans want it to be a suspension right now. It's like, well, they're billionaires. So they got lawyers well, and remember, stuff. Well, I remember, this is – It takes a while. With Jim Irsett as a personal demon, same time, you know, Daniel Snyder was stealing money from those guys at yeah, some level. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, he's a criminal. criminal. Ugly things happening. <laughs> what do you have, Rod? Uh, all right. Um, I, I sent you a piece of audio, Ty. Can you uh, – Cue it up and get it ready while I break it down and try to uh, explain, at least uh, try to uh, give the uh, at least the origin of this story. So apparently there um, there are some sports radio guys. They work on ESPN radio and they are advocating and I don't know why, but they're advocating late hits on Brock Purdy. What? I, I haven't really heard the audio. It was it's 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 supposed to be on a radio station, so I don't know if you need the dump button or anything, Ty. But here's the audio of um, I believe it's. I'll give you the ESPN radio here in a second. ESPN Milwaukee. All right, that's it's ESPN Milwaukee. And listen to these guys and them advocating for some late hits on one Brock Purdy. But Gabe, I go back, and it's little things like this. And the reason we won in '95 when no one gave us a chance in San Francisco is because we intimidated them. I mean, if you and I always revert to Wayne Simmons. Wayne Simmons kicked the crap out of Brent Jones, and then it got contagious, and then it carried over. That's why you guys are going to think I'm crazy. Well, we already thought uh, that, so go ahead. A 15-yard penalty. And I don't condone this, but I kind of do in the playoffs. Um, a 15-yard penalty for a late hit on Brock Purdy is not a bad thing, as long as it's worth it. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> so I think we can translate what as long as it's worth it. As long as it's worth it. You injure him. Yeah, the late hit thing. Yeah, It's always good to say. I always say when you want to throw that out there, just say the quarterback must go down early and he must go down often. The great Al Davis. Late great Al Davis. Yeah, you can say it any number of ways. But the late hit thing, eh, maybe taking it a little too far to, to advocate for late hits on the QB. That's probably taking it a little too far. Yeah, and don't uh... – 
Yeah. Don't lead with, not that I condone it. You clearly condone it. <laughs> You're <laughs> encouraging it. I'm not a racist, but <laughs> no disrespect. But anytime you open up with that, you're probably about to disrespect somebody or say something racist. So, yeah. All right, coming up, we'll extend Do the uh, off the record because i got to get you to this, uh, this, this food challenge that I'm going to issue to Ty. Oh, no. Because he's got a girlfriend now. This could be big for him. Did he just have bubble guts the other no, day? No, this is different. A little different. Issues? This might be a wise thing. I want to get your mathematical uh, okay. and thought on this coming up. Also, I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm questioning my own pet love. Oh, questioning no. my own pet love. No, man.